You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is with me, and this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health, fitness, training, nutrition, diet, supplements, exercise, disease, drugs, you name it. We'll talk about it here on the show, and of course, we'll wrap it around that trucking lifestyle, living and working on the road. We've been lied to for decades now, and it's killing us, and it is continuing but there is a path out. And Kim and I are here to help you find your destination and get and stay healthier. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And then we're gonna get to some of your calls and questions. Kim, welcome back. Hi, Kevin, so glad to be here. Great to be here. I have uh, just some kind of odds and ends today. No major topic to talk about, just uh, some little things that I've been seeing. Uh, One of them, I've talked about this before uh, on TV. And the last time I talked about this topic, I said there were three countries in the world that allowed direct-to-consumer advertising for prescription drugs. And I don't know when this changed, but I was just reading an article this morning, and there are only two. So there was some South American country that used to be on the list, Brazil or somewhere. They must have stopped it because the only two countries left that do this are the United States and New Zealand. And And what is it? You said prescription drugs. I'm sorry. What was it again? Direct to consumer advertising. Okay. So, you know, we just think it's common and normal to see ad after ad after ad on TV Mm -hmm. about prescription drugs. That's not normal. It's not Mm -hmm. common. Um, It didn't happen until the 1980s in this country. Uh, Prior to that, it was illegal. They weren't allowed to advertise anywhere. You, You couldn't see a magazine ad. You couldn't see because the, the idea is the consumer doesn't have enough information to be choosing mm-hmm. this drug. The, yeah. the marketing was always to the healthcare provider. So the healthcare provider could decide if you needed a drug or not. Well, once they allowed this direct to consumer marketing, pharmaceuticals took off. They exploded because all of a sudden, You watch a commercial and they talk about certain things Mm -hmm. and you say, oh, that sounds like me. And you go to the Mm -hmm. doctor and you say, I want this drug. Yeah. And we take that as normal and common. It's not. There are only two countries in the world that allow this. And it really is a huge problem. And there's the science behind it, how while they are reading all the potential side effects, they're talking about death and tuberculosis, mm-hmm. cancer, and these horrible symptoms. 
but while they're saying it, you're watching pictures and and shots of people riding horseback on the beach and you know sitting in romantic bathtubs and just all these beautiful images while they're because they have to read the side effects that's the law um they don't want to they don't want you to hear those things so they do everything they can in these commercials to distract from the side effects they they even there's a whole science behind the pace they use, the rhythm they use, the way they say that, so that you don't pay attention and you don't remember. So you just remember these images of all these beautiful, amazing things happening uh, because of this drug. So the reason I bring it up again today is because I just read an article about how Facebook is going after almost this is like a $6 billion market advertising prescription drugs. And Facebook has made major changes in the way their ads work just to go after this money. So you can expect to see a lot of drug ads on Facebook. Now, here's some of the changes. One they this isn't a big deal, but they allow uh, if you want to put up a, an ad like if if you and I decided we wanted to advertise on Facebook to get more people to listen to our podcast. We can put an ad up and we can pay for it and we can target an audience. We can't turn off comments. That's not allowed. But on the drug ads, they're going to be allowed to turn off comments. So, oh you won't, yeah, you won't be able to see somebody who says. I tried this drug. It was horrendous. The side effects were this and this. When I tried, you won't be able to see that. People aren't going to be allowed to comment on those ads. That's specific to drug ads. Um, they have added a feature that allows text in the ad to scroll. The reason they did that is because they have a limit on how much text you're allowed to put in an ad. We struggle with this all the time. Every time I try to write a mm -hmm. Facebook ad, the limits on how much text you're allowed to have, it, it's very restrictive. The images you're allowed to use, very restrictive. They're, they're adding this scrolling box because when these companies advertise drugs, they have to put in all of the side effects. So Facebook has made this change and created this new technology just to be able to get this drug money, which is what it is. Um, here's another one. This one really kind of makes me a little crazy. They, the drug companies are going to be allowed to sponsor a new community page based around a specific condition. So if people want to go in and talk about the fact that they're, if they want to create a whole community based on the fact that their eyelashes aren't as thick as they'd like them to be, the drug company that has the drug to fix that gets to sponsor that whole page. That is so scary. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So if the TV ads – and here's what drives me crazy about the TV ads. I, I pay attention to this stuff. I don't watch a lot of TV, but – I pay attention to these drug ads and it's amazing to me. I'll see a drug, never heard of it before and assume, I guess it's a new drug. I certainly haven't heard of it. They're advertising it all of a sudden and I'll watch. And 
within a week or two of seeing this new drug being advertised, I'll also see commercials from the attorneys suing the company because people are dying from this drug or they're getting, you know, horrendous side effects and there's already lawsuits. The, I saw a quote the other day. I thought it was pretty cool. It said, just remember, every drug that the FDA is pulling off the market because it's so dangerous was approved by the FDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they pull drugs off the market every mm-hmm. week. But how did, why and how did they approve those drugs in the first place? And the reason is the testing that they do on drugs to get approval, even though it's outrageously expensive, is so limited that they never know what the problems with the drug are going to be until they release them out into the market and get enough people taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it, it in some ways reminds me of when, when we create software and we create software and we have mobile apps, we know that no matter how much testing we do on it as a company, and we do a lot of testing, the day we release it, we will find problems that we never knew existed. And every software company everywhere deals with this. There's, software is complex. There's lots of different devices. People are gonna use it different ways. There's different conflicts going on. You can't possibly test enough. That's why software companies do beta testing. You know, you release a product and say, look, we've got it as far as we can get it. We need you to tell us what's wrong with it now. And in a beta test, you realize that this software is not going to work right. That's that's part of beta testing. In fact, I have one particular laptop that all I use it for is beta testing because I love to beta test software from other companies. And I won't put it on the computer I need to use every day for work. I just have a laptop because beta testing can really create some major problems sometimes. I've even done what's called some alpha testing, which is even earlier. That's fine on software. I can test it on another computer. It doesn't create major problems. But basically, that's what drug companies do with drugs. They have to beta test them, but they don't tell us that. They just say, here's a drug. It's been approved. Start taking it. And then they find out what the problems are. And many times, the problems are so bad they have to take the drug off the market completely. But in the meantime, look at all the damage they've created. This is an insane system. So um, we'll come back right after this. I have a couple more things, and then we'll uh, get to your calls and questions. Stick around. This is Destination Health. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host Kim Cocker, him is with me right now. We're talking about uh, prescription drugs, and I've got another topic I want to talk about, Kim, because it's that time of year, and it goes along with this big push by pharmaceutical companies, the fact that we're one of only two countries in the world that allow this kind of advertising, and now it's getting bigger. They're moving on to Facebook. Um, the other topic I want to talk about are flu shots, because I'm seeing it all over the place. It's that time of year again. And, and here's the problem in our medical system. Big pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise, and they have lots and lots of money to advertise with because their product is so incredibly profitable. So we don't even realize when we're being advertised to anymore. They're very good at this. They're very good at creating groups or people that, that you don't even associate the fact that they're part of the big pharmaceutical company or the money is coming from the big pharmaceutical company. So it seems like it's just people trying to help us. And the trucking industry falls for this constantly. And I keep seeing this big push in the trucking industry for flu shots. And OIDA is one of them. They're, they're promoting flu shots all over the place. I found blog posts, I found podcasts. They're talking about it constantly. They are heavily promoting flu shots. and if you look at the statistics on flu shots, it is horrendous. These things aren't helping hardly at all. And there are side effects to them. And it just makes me a little crazy that there's lots and lots of money to promote getting a flu shot. There's zero profit in promoting the fact that you shouldn't get a flu shot. Certainly can't make any money. It, doing all the research, bringing all the facts to people, but that's what we do. You know, if people want to know the facts, I have the facts on the flu shots and they're not good. If you really understand them, I think most people would choose not to get a flu shot. And yet it's being promoted all over the industry. And it just makes me a little crazy. And, you know, sorry, I was I was writing some notes about the prescription thing because I had something interesting about that that I'd read uh, weeks ago, and uh, you brought it to mind. I had to go look for it. But, um, you know, the flu shot is one of the things that they offer a lot, like in schools as well, and you feel like if you don't get it or you don't have your kids get it, that, um, that you were just wrong, you know? And so it's interesting that – then if you do talk about it and come up against why you shouldn't get it, then you're, what's the word, not underdog, but you're the bad guy, you know, and I know you've been up against that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to stop and make people think just, you know, just like the pharmaceutical, you know, like you're saying there um, with Facebook, we have to just sit back and think and not um, just let this stuff come into our minds and our everyday and and to get absorbed without putting up some some you know our shield you know you bring up a good point about being treated like the bad guy this goes for um vaccinations of all kinds this is such a hotly debated issue um i i I'm, i i realized there are some vaccinations that did change things for a very in a very positive way we did eliminate certain diseases. 
uh, completely. It, and at the time, I think it was necessary to do that, um, but maybe not so much anymore. I think there are better ways. But even if we don't go down that road, it, let's say that, you know, the polio vaccine was amazing, those kind of things. Okay, I get it. But where does that end? You know, there was a huge push on vaccinations for HPV, uh, human mm -hmm. papilloma virus, which they mm -hmm. claimed could lead to cancer. Well, when you looked at the statistics, it was ridiculous that they even made the connection because 99% of the people that have the virus never get cancer. So it's such a loose correlation anyway. And they were making you feel very, very guilty if you didn't get your child vaccinated to this. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, you, you're setting your child up for cancer in the future. It was ridiculous. But here's the other thing. The people who get flu shots and are all for vaccinations why are they so crazy about the fact that I don't want one? And they'll say, but you're putting everybody else at risk. Well, wait a minute. If the vaccination works so good and you got it, how am I putting you at risk? I'm not putting you at risk. I, if, if, I, if I choose not to get vaccinated and I get it and I die, big deal. It's me. It's my choice. Why are you so worried? But they say, well, if, if, if everybody isn't vaccinated, then the disease still exists. So what? If you're so sure of your vaccination and it works, why do you care whether I decide to do this or not? Yeah, because it makes them think. It makes them, you know, it makes us look inside and say, you know, why do, Why am I getting it? So, yeah. yeah. And if <laughs> I am so sure of it, why am I worried that somebody else doesn't get it? Why would it matter? Maybe because vaccinations aren't foolproof. You know, the, the other one I see being pushed a lot, the, the shingles vaccination. Oh, Horrible. Yeah, absolutely. If you, and the thing is, they say we don't know what causes shingles, that it's just this virus that you got when you had chicken pox. But that only explains part of it. Almost everybody has the virus. Why doesn't everybody get shingles? And why don't you have shingles all the time? And really, it comes down to lifestyle. If you live a healthy lifestyle, you're never going to get shingles. Mm -hmm. The virus presents itself because your immune system gets all screwed up, either overactive or weak, one of the two, and then the virus presents itself. So it's not the fact that the virus is there. That's there. We can't stop that. We already, it's, we already have it. But our lifestyle can stop the problems from that virus. The vaccination, not so much. That, that's another horrible vaccination with lousy side effects, and it's not always very effective. So, again, I think part of what you and I want to use this show for is just to make people think differently. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. most of the information we get about health comes from companies that make lots and lots of money off of all of these things. We have to remember that. And we have to look for the other side of the story. And we have to look hard because, again, there is no money in doing what you and I do. We, we can't profit from telling people not to get vaccinated. The groups that are out there promoting vaccinations, there's money in that. That's why they do it. So we just want people to be better informed.
Yes. <laughs> yes. And we appreciate them listening and, and bringing it to us because I like it when people will bring the questions because um, that are raised because we know they're out there thinking it and we're here to, to help support and find answers. There you go. Speaking of those questions, what do you say we get to some? Yeah, that sounds great. All right, let's do that. Let's start off in Missouri. Casey, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Good. What's on your mind? Quick question for you. Um, I know you know you recommend the grass-fed beef and everything, but I was wanting to know about the health effects or nutritional effects of actually smoking the meat, the procedure. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of information on this. There, there's most of what you will read is that smoking meat uh, creates carcinogens and there's a higher risk of cancer. That, that's mostly what we've been told. But I think a lot of that, there's very limited proof on that, if that's really true or not. We have to remember that all the testing and, and research that's done is done on people on a standard American diet. So you can't look at one factor and say this is what causes it. Um, the, the thing that I always kind of fall back on is didn't we cook meat over a fire and smoke? And didn't we do that for thousands and thousands of years and we didn't have cancer? So maybe it isn't the smoking or cooking of the meat that did it. Maybe it's the quality of the meat today and the additives. You look at most smoked meat products that are on the market. First off, they start with lousy quality meat, and it's got all kinds of chemical additives in it. But I think if you take, you know, good quality pastured animal and you smoke them, I don't think there's any health downside to it. Again, we did it for thousands of years and never seemed to cause a problem. I don't think there's any major health benefit to doing it. I don't think there's any real evidence that it makes it healthier, but I don't think it makes it unhealthy or easy either. You know, I, I believe that we need to eat a balance of raw and cooked. And I, I believe that works on both animal products and, and vegetable products. Uh, plant-based products, that there are benefits to both cooking and eating things raw. And we'll come back and we'll talk about that. And smoking is just another form of cooking. And actually, most smoking is done at very low temperatures, which I think is a good thing. We'll be right back. Stick around. Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me, and we're talking with Casey in Missouri about smoking meat. So, Casey, again, I think if we start with a good quality product and we smoke it, especially if we do it ourselves, I smoke at very, very low temperatures. I tend to smoke my meat between like 185 and 225, so you're not getting that high heat damage to the meat. I think that it's a, a part of a good, healthy diet. I don't see a big problem with it. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of my opinion, too. But then again, like I say, I've never seen any research or anything. And I was just kind of wanting to get your feel on it. Yeah, I, I, there is a very, very limited amount of research. And again, I don't find most of it very dependable because there are too many other factors. We're, we're looking at people who were, you know, the, the meat product wasn't good. The way it was processed wasn't good. They're eating the standard American diet. So I, I think that, um, Kim, we, we talk about this a lot. And I think people have to realize this. When we talk about anything health-wise, we have to start looking at it from a new angle. If if people really start moving to a cleaner, healthier, non-processed diet, and we eliminate grains, because we know that grains cause all kinds of issues nutritionally, everything changes. You know, we, we can't just look at the old research anymore. I, I think we have to start looking at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, very, really, really good point. And, and for some people, that's scary because we can't look back mm-hmm. and say, well, this research shows this. We don't have any research mm-hmm. that, that really fits this paradigm. There haven't yeah. been enough people eating a really clean, nutritious diet long enough to, to study any of this stuff. So, again, I fall back on. How did we survive and thrive for thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years? We we didn't have all these problems back then. So and smoking meat was one of the most common ways we preserved meat, smoked Mm -hmm. fish, smoked animals that that was. So there was a lot of that going on. That was a very, very big part of the diet for a lot of people. And didn't seem to cause the kind of problems we're seeing today. So I don't think smoking the meat was the problem. Um, We have to look at all the other reasons why there might be a link between consumption and Mm -hmm. cancer. And -hmm. even that link, all that wrong. But but it can't be the meat itself because we've always eaten meat in in some places of the world, lots of it. And it didn't cause those problems. So. It is something else. And, you know, I think for the most part, it is the processing and the mm-hmm. quality. I think those mm-hmm. are the two big yeah. things we look at. Yeah, I agree. Really, really good yeah. points. I love how you said that, too. You know, the combination of um, with our vegetables and our meat, uh, smoked, cooked, but also with raw. And once we clean it up and get some of the junk out of it, then uh, then I'll, even all that research is, is uh, it doesn't fit. Yeah, I've talked before about like the USDA requirements for nutrients. You need this much vitamin E, you need this much vitamin A, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, this much in minerals. Well, the 
the thing we know is the standard American diet has a lot of components in it that actually block absorption. So all the testing that says you need this much is probably wrong. You probably don't need that much if you eliminate all the things out of your diet that are blocking the absorption, which tends to be a lot of processed foods and grains and other things that we shouldn't be eating anyway. So, and speaking of, of quality of meat, as we're standing here talking, I just watched my uh, latest crowd cow delivery pull up. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I know. I have some liver. I'm running low. Um, I, I'm eating liver probably twice a week now pretty consistently. And the more I eat it, the more I enjoy it. Um, very high quality grass-fed beef liver, I think, could be the number one superfood. I'm just not sure that I could find food anywhere else that provides as much nutrition as good quality beef liver. So I really encourage people to to try to find a way to get more of that into your diet. Um, we're going to come out with some recipes and some ideas on getting more organ meats into the diet. And even raw liver. Doesn't that sound crazy? Raw liver used to be a pretty big thing. And now people think that's just insane. But it's um, pretty darn nutritious. So we'll be talking more about that. Let's get back to some phone calls. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Jim, welcome to the program. Good. Hello? What's on your mind? Hey, I I got into your... Uh website there and I went to apply for that insurance you've been talking about. Yeah. When I got it all filled out, I went down to Pennsylvania and it says not available in Pennsylvania. I know that was very, very disappointing for us um, that you can't get this everywhere because we are. I know. I know. Um, then again, that was disappointing. We are very, very excited about this concept, this idea. We have got literally hundreds of people signing up for this. I think it is going to be a big thing in the future, even more so than it is now. Um, unfortunately, and I haven't had time to go do the research on this yet. I want to go find out what what it is, what law in Pennsylvania specifically is stopping this from happening. Um, I'm pretty sure though that the groups out there that do this, we're working with one group in particular, I'm sure that they have people working on this and it's been addressed, but I'd like to know why uh, Pennsylvania specifically doesn't allow this. Yeah, I, I thought maybe because it was a Commonwealth, but then when I went down to Virginia, it was okay with Virginia. Yeah, yeah, it know. must be. It must be a very specific state law that is stopping this from happening. Um, and that's, it's just a shame because this really does work. And, and people are going to think that this is new because they've never heard of it before. It's been going on for decades. The, and, and part of the reason we chose to work with the company we talk about is because they've been doing it so long and they have such a great track record at this. So for the people who maybe didn't hear the weekend show, um, we have come up with an alternative to health insurance. 
and it's not health insurance. We, we won't use those terms. We don't use deductibles. We kind of have to change the way we talk about this. It's what's called medical cost sharing. And there are some kind of strict rules around it. It's not allowed to be open to the general public, meaning it, it's specific groups that are allowed to do this within their own group. Uh, and again, that's why we've partnered with this company because they're very good at it and they've been doing it a long time. And in a lot of ways, it, it works to replace health insurance, but it's not health insurance. You do pay in uh, an amount each month that's called your share. And then that money is used as a group. It's used to pay out for people who had medical costs that month. So in a lot of ways, it feels and looks like insurance, but it's not. And in fact, if I had to sit down and design a plan, and I've been very active and very familiar with health insurance for a long time um, because I've been self-employed my whole life and all the people I work with are self-employed. It's always been a big issue. If With everything I know about health insurance, if I had to sit down and design a plan, this would be it. I, I don't know that I could make a single improvement on how this works. And unfortunately for you, being in Pennsylvania, you can't get it. Um, and, and again, I'm going to do some research, but I doubt that it's going to do much good. I'm sure there are people who have already tried to fight this. And I, who knows whether or not it will ever change. But just to give people an idea, um, my if I were to get health insurance under Obamacare right now, my premiums would run in the seven and eight hundred dollar range a month. And the coverage isn't all that great. In fact, I think the coverage kind of sucks at that price. Under this medical sharing program, my cost is $199 a month. And my benefits are way better. Just amazing how much better they are. Um, we talked about it a lot on the weekend show. We're going to be talking about it more. But if you want to get more information, it's real simple. Go to our website, letstruck.com and click on the link right there on the home page to learn more fill out a quick form and we'll get all the details to you stick around we'll be right back kevin Robinson. All right, real quick, we're heading into the fourth segment. So at the end, I'm going to say goodnight, goodbye, all that stuff. Don't hang up. We're coming back to do another hour. Uh, looks like we've got lots of questions right now, but I'll keep you updated if we have some room. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is here with me. Uh, Kim, you know, we, we just started talking about that, the, the medical sharing concept uh, this past weekend. 
And already we literally have hundreds of people. I think we're over 300 people now um, mm-hmm. that have signed up for this. And people are that just amazed. Amazing. Yeah, that there's an option out there like this. I was amazed. That's mm-hmm. why I got so excited about it. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect for this industry. It, it really is. And I love it's such a good fit for us because traditional health insurance said and prior to Obamacare, let's talk first about prior to Obamacare, basically said, look, if you're not healthy, we're not covering you. That That's just the end of it. If you have a pre-existing condition, if you're overweight, you're just out of luck. You're screwed. We're not going to cover you. Um, Obamacare said, look, you have to cover everybody. Now we see the downside to that. You can't cover everybody because unhealthy people will crash the system. It's too expensive to cover those people. Somebody has to pay for it. And we're seeing now that insurance companies are pulling out of markets because they can't afford to cover these people. So they're just saying, look, we're done. We're out of that market. The people who are paying for their coverage, the rates are going up so much. They're saying, look, I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to cancel my insurance, pay the penalties and take my chances. So then the only people that are left are the most unhealthy and the system collapses. It can't work. So what we're headed for is a single payer system unless somebody figures out a way to fix the system. For For the people who get it, this will fix the system. It also makes people more responsible for not only their own health, but their health care. We became so lazy in this country that we don't shop for pricing when it comes to any kind of medical care. Why would we? Somebody else is paying for it. I have a $10 copay out. I don't care if my doctor charges three times more than everybody else. Under this program, there's some incentive to go out and really shop the market. The cool thing about this program as well, there's no network. You go to any doctor, any healthcare provider you want. You don't have to find out if they're in your network or not. So, but they also take people. We have people who are overweight. They've been accepted into the program. They have to pay a little more, but it's still very reasonable. And they are encouraged and actually assigned a health coach and they, they set goals and they'll say, if you reach this goal, then we will lower your premiums and we'll increase your coverage. There's real incentive here. The, they'll cover people who aren't perfectly healthy. You're going to pay a little bit more for it, which is, isn't that how all insurance works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if, you have, if you have five speeding tickets, don't you pay more for insurance than somebody who mm-hmm. doesn't? Right. So that's just logical. If we can look at you and say, wait a minute, based on your lifestyle and and these things, we know you're going to be more expensive. So we have to charge you a little more, but we're going to show you and we're going to help you get healthier so you won't need to spend as much on medical care. And then we'll increase your coverage and we'll lower your premiums. Mm -hmm. This is so common sense, but we're shocked that there's even something Mm -hmm. like this because our system's been mess for so long and how long has it been around i think you said it was been around for such a long time oh the company we're working with i think 20 20 plus years has yeah, they've been doing that's... and the other thing i think is cool i can go right to their website actually i get their newsletter now and in the newsletter one of the things they list in the newsletter every month 
is the total dollar amount of the bills that were submitted from people and how much they paid out. And in last month's newsletter, the number of bills paid out was over $4 million and they paid every penny that was turned in. And it was over $4 million. This is a big, I mean, this isn't some little mm -hmm. group of people that might run out of money. Um, one of the other companies that does this, we didn't partner with them. They've been advertising pretty heavily. If you listen to Fox, uh, Fox News, um, there's a company called MediShare. It's the same concept that we're talking about here. I looked at theirs a little more expensive. I don't think the programs run quite as well, um, but it's the same idea. They run a commercial where this guy was a guide up in Alaska and, and he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And just the month before he had enrolled in this medical sharing program and they covered almost $200,000 worth of his expenses. 100% wow. of spent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's so great to know that's out there. Yeah. So we're, we're very happy that, that we found this, that we're bringing it to our listeners. And, and the one thing we do ask, always up front, when we partner with a company, we tell you exactly who's us, how we make our money. We don't hide those kind of things at all. We did a kind of a different arrangement with this company. We're not charging the company anything directly for what we do, for promoting them, for getting it out to our listeners. We don't charge them. They will pay us a referral fee for everybody who comes through our system and signs up. What I love about this is it doesn't cost the listener anything. If the listener found this company on his own and signed up, the price would be exactly the same as it would be mm -hmm. if you sign up our channels. We just get a small kickback and it helps us continue doing what we do to go out and do the research, yeah. to find these, to spend the airtime talking about it because airtime is kind of our inventory. You know, if I spend time talking about this, that's a question we might not be getting to. So we're very careful about what we talk about on the air and this way, we make a little bit of money back. So all we're really asking is, I'll tell you exactly what it is. There are five or six companies that I found that do this after looking at them all and doing a lot of background and a lot of research, I settled on this company. If you want to go Google medical cost sharing, you can go look up all those companies and maybe you'll find one that looks better to you. Um, but if you want to use the company we're working with, all we ask is that you go to our website, use our form, and then that way we can track those referrals and we'll make some money back as well. Works for everybody. Yeah, yeah it does. It's a really, really great service. I'll be interested to see um, how it goes down the road, you know, who comes yeah. on board with this and what it does for them. Yeah. Let's get to a couple more calls before we get out of here. Let's go to Texas. Julie, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin and Kim. You guys are really awesome helping us out. Um, I've had an issue since I've been a teenager with psoriasis. And um, basically it happens come fall when the weather starts getting dry and cool and throughout the winter. And then in the summer months, it just kind of disappears. It's um, all around, pretty much around my scalp area. And that's all I have. But um, I've been on this keto diet since about six, seven months now. 
and I don't know if it's specific, you know, auto autoimmune or specific diet that I'm eating something that causes psoriasis, or why do I have it? How yeah, do you get it? so <laughs> it is. There's there's not a lot known about it. It's another one of those diseases or conditions where there the medical community is really kind of guessing. Yeah, there's no link and basically the medical community does what they always do they just cover up symptoms the problem is their symptoms um create a lot more problems than anything else so it is considered to be autoimmune it is considered to be an immune service what's that oh i'm losing service you're cutting in and out Okay. okay go ahead yeah, it, it is considered an autoimmune um, condition. So it, it is the immune system overactive and, and targeting parts of the body. So a, a good, clean paleo diet should help. A keto diet does help some. Um, if, if neither one of those things clear it up completely, then I would recommend like an AIP protocol an autoimmune protocol, um, which is a very specific diet that um, targets the, the foods and the substances that continue ramping up the immune system. So you can look up AIP diet, it stands for autoimmune protocol, and follow one of those and people find you know, really amazing stuff. Um, my son, Michael, did a, uh, is doing a whole series on autoimmune. It's one of his kind of areas of interest, and he's done a ton of research on autoimmune. So I'll get you a link over to that. That's a good resource. But if, again, if you look up anything around AIP, autoimmune protocol, those are the things you're going to want to do to address this. And it can be cured. It happens all the time. The problem with the drugs is they all downgrade your immune system. And then it opens you up to all kinds of other problems, infections and diseases and all kinds of things. So, Kim, we did it again. It's time to get out of here. Uh, we will be back again. We'll do this again next time. Thanks for joining us. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Robinson. All right, we're going to do another hour. As we go along, I'll let you know if there's any room for questions. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is with me. The website is letstruck.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Look up Destination Health on Audio Road. 
and join our page. We'd love to have you there. There's always great stuff being posted there. You know, this is the show where Kim and I take your calls and we answer your questions about everything health, fitness, diet, training, exercise, nutrition, supplements, drugs, diseases, doctors, you name it. We will talk about it here. We've been lied to for decades. We're being lied to today. And the lies are killing us. And Kim and I are here to help you understand that there is another way. There is a better way to be healthy. And we will help you with that. And of course, we'll wrap it all around that trucking lifestyle, living and working on the road in a truck. Uh, Kim, great to be here again. We've got uh, some exciting stuff this week. Uh, we do. You know, it's so fun, Kevin. Every Wednesday morning, you know, the Tribe Care team comes on online. You know, we all tell each other, you know, good morning, good morning and stuff. And and it's so wonderful because the rest of them always say, it's, we call it DH. It's DH Day. It's Destination Health Day because we just, we just love this. I just love it. I, our listeners and all of us working together to to be healthy is is so humbling, and we're honored. Yes. So at the end of our last show, we had a caller um, with an autoimmune condition, and mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about autoimmune right now because this is it's kind of exploding, and and people don't realize it. There's a whole group of conditions or diseases and many of these are really really hard to nail down the the medical community the only way they diagnose some of these is they eliminate everything else it could be and the medical community is not making any headway on autoimmune diseases at all what they're doing is prescribing the same basic drug no matter what the autoimmune condition is or the same class of drug. So autoimmune could run from everything from psoriasis um, to uh, joint pain to migraine headaches to um, thyroid issues. I mean, we could go on and on and on, liver issues, and all share one common thing the problems are occurring because our own body's immune system is attacking our tissues. And it depends on what tissue it attacks that creates the symptom or the condition or the disease. When our immune system attacks our joint tissue, it could show up as arthritis. Um, There are several forms of arthritis, but some of them are autoimmune. Um, Thyroiditis, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune. Our body The own immune system starts attacking our thyroid and and destroying the tissue. Psoriasis, the the body's auto, uh, our immune system is attacking the skin in the cells. So they all share this one thing in common that it's not anything outside of us. It's our own body creating the problem. And we have to understand why. And the medical community doesn't care why. That, that's not what they do. They treat symptoms. Well, the, the way they fix this or attempt to fix this is there's a whole group of very powerful drugs that suppress the immune system. So it, it tends to make some of the symptoms go away, but at the same time, it opens you up for all kinds of other problems. Our immune system is incredibly important 
And when you listen to the side effects of these drugs, it's things like cancer, tuberculosis, infections, and death. Because if you suppress the immune system, you have no defense against these other things. So one of the things that we've just started doing recently, and we're very excited about, in fact, you're waiting for your results back, is what we call our FIT test, which is a food inflammation test. And the reason I bring this up with autoimmune is because our immune systems have become overactive. That's why they're attacking our own body. Well, we have to understand why they've become overactive. There's two causes. The first is that we are, there are substances that we're eating that are making their way into our bloodstream where they don't belong. And that's caused by leaky gut. Well, why do we have leaky gut in the first place? So we have to, you know, one of the things you and I talk about a lot is we keep working backwards till we get to the root cause. Mm -hmm. You know, we could say, well, it's this protein that's in your bloodstream that's causing your immune system to be overactive. Oh, so let's just suppress the immune system then. That, that's the medical community's answer. But that doesn't work and it causes a lot of other problems. So why is it in the bloodstream in the first place? Well, let's identify what it is. What is in the bloodstream that's causing this reaction? And this new test we have, the FIT test, will identify all the foods and substances that are creating this reaction. So one of the things we can do is eliminate those foods from our diet. There's no downside to doing that. And if that substance isn't in our bloodstream, then our immune system will quiet down some. But that's only the first step. Let's go back even further and find the root cause. Why did this make it into our bloodstream? It should have never been there. Well, it gets there because we have leaky gut. So instead of the food staying in our digestive system where it belongs so our body can break it down into its components, then release those out into the bloodstream, it is getting into our bloodstream where it doesn't belong because our gut has holes in it. it it's permeable. This stuff can get through and it's not supposed to. So the root cause is the leaky gut, but it's kind of circular because the leaky gut was caused by food that we shouldn't have been eating in the first place many times. Uh, things mm -hmm. like grain, um, those are, gluten is one of the primary causes of leaky gut. So you have to eliminate grains. That's step number one. The gut may not heal itself though. So the, the problem may continue. It might get better after you eliminate grains and gluten, but it might not go away completely. So one of the protocols we're going to be releasing soon, I need to get on this, um, is, a, is a gut healing protocol. We already have some really good ideas. Um, bone broth is excellent for this. We have a, a supplement we like called IPS. Um, IPS worked amazing for me. We're going to get this into a, a, a protocol. You can also look at things like the GAP diet, um, gut and psychology um, syndrome. That's That addresses leaky gut. There are some doctors that really specialize in leaky gut, so you can follow some of their stuff. But we're going to get a protocol out. So two things for anybody who's suffering from autoimmune or 
symptoms that they don't really understand, like they're on a good keto paleo diet, but they're not losing weight anymore. They've stalled. You know, they they've fixed a lot of their symptoms, but they have a couple little things left that we can't seem to figure out. The more digging we do, the more we find that many of these problems come back to an overactive immune system. And that's caused by these food sensitivities. So the two-part solution, one, get the fit test, uh, which, by the way, we sold out of. Um, we had to order more because a lot of people are doing this, so I'm glad to see that. Um, one, do the fit test so we can identify the foods. You can eliminate those foods quickly. That starts solving the problem. Then we can also, at the same time, work on a gut healing protocol and it is amazing how many of these diseases, conditions, symptoms that the medical community can't really help with. And this is fixing completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's, again, it gets back to what we believe in with the digestion and working to see with how your individual body works. And it's just another key, key test and tool to help us get closer to that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for anybody who's interested, this is another one of those things that we don't necessarily have to do an intensive one-on-one -on -one consultation. This is one of those things that I can come on the air. I can say, look, take the fit test. This is simple. You do it at home. You don't need to go to a clinic. You don't need to go to a doctor. We mail the kit to you. You do it at home. You send it back in. You get the results. And it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it doesn't need a lot of interpretation. It tells you this is the food that's causing a reaction. Well, just stop eating that food. You know, that's that's pretty straightforward. And a, a, a supplement like the IPS, the gut healing and bone broth, again, I could recommend that to everybody on the planet. There's not a person that isn't going to help. There's no downside to it. So those are the kind of things we like to talk about here on the air. You know, if we have to get more specific about things, then we do need to do a one-on-one -on -one consult with somebody. But I, I like these kind of solutions that we can talk about on the air and virtually recommend them to everybody. So we'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. Kevin Rothenberg. back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. Kim, I want to let everybody know all the stuff we talk about here, you can find on the website. The fit test is available. Um, the IPS supplement is available. Um, the, the consultation, the protocols, it, and this stuff is growing. Like every day you go to the website, there's something new. Um, you and, and uh, Lisa have been working pretty hard and other people on the team as well, putting together the one-on-one -on -one programs where we can give people different levels of service. 
you know, do you want us just to kind of help you interpret the results? Do you want us to create a plan? You know, how many times do we want to get together going forward? And, and those programs are for the things we can't really solve here on the air. You know, sometimes people call me and they say, I've got this going on and this going on. There isn't a simple direct answer. We, we need more information. We need to do some more testing. We need to work with those people one-on-one. Um, so we're doing that. And that's part of the fit test. You know, when we can see those results and we can see the symptoms, we can match those up and then figure out what's going on. But I can't really do that on the air. We just don't have enough time and we don't have the information. So, you know, I want to encourage people, go to the website, letstruck.com, poke around, you'll find protocols, you'll find articles, you'll find the products, the tests, and we are adding things every day. I mean, that, that's why we're so excited about this, because people are really seeing results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we are very close. I'm, I'm really anxious and excited for us to, to add even the next step in, in what we have to offer. You know, there's one more supplement I want to talk about. We haven't talked about this on the air at all. And it, it goes along with the fit test. So you may do this fit test. And if you have more severe leaky gut, you may have a very, very long list of foods that you're reacting to. I was very happy with my list. It was short. Um, and there wasn't anything major on there. It was easy for me to eliminate the stuff that was causing problems. But some people will get this list back and go, my God, if I eliminate those foods, I'm not going to be able to eat. There's just nothing left. The good news is we can fix that. It, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but if we do all the right things, we can get that list smaller. I, I'm going to set a goal to just eliminate it. I, I would like to see a year from now that I could take this test and not be sensitive to any of these foods. And mm-hmm. I think it can be done. But we, at, when I went to the biotics conference recently, there was a chiropractor that was there. And this guy was, my God, I thought my head was going to explode listening to this guy. He, but he, he was so incredibly intelligent and he's done so much work on this. He, I'll just kind of give a little backstory here. He likes wine. Many of us do. But he realized every time he drank, would drink wine, he just wouldn't feel all that great. You know, he might get a headache, he might get a little bit of an upset stomach, restless, and he, he decided to figure out why. And he did this tremendous amounts of research and found out what it was in the wine that his body was reacting to. And he started working on nutrients to counteract that. And he came up with this product that it's a supplement, it's just nutrients, there's nothing, you know, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some minerals, some vitamins. Um, but he found that it would offset these negative side effects of wine. And he thought, wow, cool. I found something for wine drinkers, but throughout the research, he found other substances that our body was reacting negatively to. And it could be things like perfumes, um, chemicals. It could be food items, sulfur and foods There are all kinds of things he identified. And he kept working on this formulation. And now you can take this supplement, and again, it's just vitamins and minerals, but it's this, you know, very formulated concentration of these things, and it helps with all kinds of sensitivities. So if you have this long list, or if, if 
you haven't even taken the test, but you've got these symptoms. You're just not feeling all that great. This stuff's pretty amazing. If you find that you are sensitive um, to scents, perfumes, things like that, gives you headaches, makes you not feel so great, this is an excellent product for that. If you find that after you eat, you sometimes get some, you know, less than pleasant consequences, this is an amazing supplement for that. We just got it in the store. It's fairly new. It's called Scent Arrest. So this goes along with these food sensitivities that this is somewhat of a cover-up, but Again, we are looking for long-term. We want to help you solve the root cause of the problem. But in, along the way, if we can give you something that's going to help with the symptoms and there are no negative side effects to it, then I'm all for that. And our goal would be to eventually get your gut healed so that you're no longer sensitive to all these things and you don't need to take any of these supplements. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> and that's the thing I love about it, Kevin. Same with the fit test and the supplements. These aren't things that you have to feel you're, you're doing it for a specific purpose. It, it could be long-term. It could be not. We're all different. But you're actively healing issues that you are dealing with. Um, and you're being aware of your results. And you're able to either continue taking or stop taking and readjust at certain points. And to me, that's one of the best parts of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the challenges on this show, there's so much to talk about. I, I could literally do two, three, four hours a week without ever taking a call. There's just so much information. We want to get it out. We want to help people. But one of the ways we can really target what people need is by answering their questions. So what do you say we do yeah. that? Yes, please. Let's go to Washington. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. I got a question about uh, vegetable fermentation. Okay. Um, which is better, going going the route of uh, using the the whey or just using the uh, sea salt? Really good question, and I'll I'll give you my experience with it. Uh, and then you can kind of decide. And it may be one of those things where you want to do both. It may be one of those things that's kind of like the raw food and cooked food. We want a balance of both. So I like the fact that anytime I want to go ferment some vegetables, it's real simple. I take a jar, I mix up some salt and water, I cut the vegetables, put it in the jar, pour the brine over it, and I'm done. Nice and easy. And it works right. good. It tastes good. The benefit to using a starter culture. So I, I, one of the, the most nutritious ways you could do this is using a starter culture and using, instead of water, using celery juice. So you, you juice celery through a machine. You get all the liquid out. You put in the starter culture. You can ferment vegetables that way. The benefit is that it creates some nutrients that wouldn't be there otherwise. Um, K2, I believe, some of the nutrients that are pretty hard to find in our diet. I wasn't a big fan of the taste and the texture. They tend to ferment faster and get softer, and they do have a different taste. And, and maybe I just needed to experiment with it more. 
I, I don't do a lot of it. I may go back to, to playing around with that some more because there are nutritional benefits to using like a, a celery juice and a starter culture. It is a little more, obviously it's a little more work and in the truck it's, you've got to have the culture with you. If you're going to use celery juice, you've got to have a way to do that. So it's why I didn't work on it as much because I think for people in the truck, it's, it's, it is more work, but if you're willing to do the work, there are certainly benefits to doing it that way. That, and that's fine. I'm I'm home every day, so I'm just getting ready to start it this weekend. I and I'm, I, I think I was going to just do both one with the whey and the other with the salt. I didn't. I haven't seen anything about using the uh, celery. Uh, that is an idea. Maybe just make a third batch and try all three of them because I'm trying to get the whole family to to eat them. I think and, that would be uh, a great way to do. It. Yeah, try them side by side. If you want to learn more about doing it with the celery juice and a really good starter culture, go to Mercola.com and and look up fermenting. He's got tons of articles, and he really promotes using um, the celery juice and the starter culture, and he'll explain all the reasons why. And that, that I can do. And I got one more question. I... I uh, got with, I found an MPT in my area, and I got with her, and last night, for the first time, she had a bottle of kombucha, um, and me and my wife tasted it for the first time. Is that going to affect keto at all? Um, The one thing you've got to watch with certain brands of kombucha is the sugar content. They, They are, some of them are really high in sugar. So you've just got to watch right. that as part of your overall carb intake. So there's nothing wrong with those carbs, and kombucha has a ton of benefits. So, you know, we we, we always want to weigh the benefit against the downside. You know, if you eat a Hershey chocolate bar, there's no upside to that. It's just pure downside. If you drink a bottle of kombucha, yeah, there's some sugar in there. You have to watch that overall number, but there's tons of upside to doing that. So to answer your question, it could affect your keto, but only if you allow it to get you out of your macronutrient balance. If you can make kombucha part of your macronutrient balance and you stay in ketosis, then I highly recommend it. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Robinson. back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. My co-host Kim Cockerham is with me. This is Destination Health. Kim, you know, I was just talking about how it's a challenge because there's so much I want to talk about and I want to get to questions. The other challenge is every time I get to a question, I could do another hour <laughs> on that. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, we were talking about fermenting vegetables and kombucha. Um, I understand you finally joined the fermentation <laughs> train. 
Well, it was, it's, yeah, it was because of that um, sweet potato on the coleslaw and the pulled pork that we had out at your house <laughs> that made me finally make that happen. And it's so thinking easy, you know, it's one of those things that you think, you know, it's easy to do, easy not to do, um, that I finally did it. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it just feels good to do, take that extra step to, you know, have some fun in the kitchen and do some stuff to um, not only taste good, but that, that is good for you. And it's, you know, probably like gardening or, you know, anything people want to do. It was just another, another piece I added to our, our lifestyle and, and it was cool to see. So I did, yeah, I did green beans. I did asparagus and I did um, cabbage and uh, added some dill. I think you had dill out there. So I added some dill and garlic and stuff. And, um, and just loved it. I mean, it just it even tastes better because you, you you made it yourself. Yeah, you know, you were here, you tasted it. I did asparagus and green beans, but I did them in, in the style of a spicy dill pickle because I love that taste. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, why does it just have to be a cucumber we do that way? Why can't I do right. a green bean exact same way? So I added a lot of fresh dill, which I absolutely love fresh dill. Mm-hmm. The smell is amazing. Um, I added traditional pickling spices, and I added some uh, crushed red pepper. And it, it's so weird to eat a green bean that tastes just like a spicy mm-hmm. dill pickle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And delicious. I did asparagus. Um, unfortunately... Right after I did the asparagus, I found out that was one of my food intolerances. Um, right. Yeah. So as much as I love asparagus, I love it. Mm-hmm. I eat it raw sometimes. I love it fermented and done in this style like a spicy dill pickle. It was just amazing. I love it grilled. It's my favorite vegetable. But for some reason, my body is reacting to it. So I'm eliminating it. And I'm going to give it six months. I'm going to continue working on a gut healing protocol again. I've been through it once and it helped. I'm going to do it again. And in six months, I'm going to retest. And I'm going to see if I am still. And by the way, the week before I retest after six months, I'm going to start eating asparagus again. Because if you don't eat a food for a long time, it won't show up on your test anymore. So I want to know, can I heal my gut? enough that I won't react to that food. So I'm going to give it, you know, six months without it, work on a gut healing protocol, start eating it again, and then do the test again. And we'll see. Let everybody know. Uh, I love this whole body hacking thing. Yeah. (laughs) Very fun. You're good at it. I'm not as good as you are. I I strive to be as good as you are. You show us what's possible. You know, the way you're doing things, though, is is probably Mm -hmm. much closer to the way our listeners are going to do things. I do tend to be extreme. I mean, I always have that. That's kind of how I ended up where I am. I was extreme on testing fuel mileage. I was extreme on testing tires, on trucks, on on accounting, on, on everything I do. I tend to go to the extreme. I like to find the limits of things. And I've learned the only way to know where the limit is is to go beyond the limit. You have to fall off the cliff to find out where the edge is. Um, You can't know a limit until you exceed the limit. So that's just me, that's my personality. But you just mentioned that that you've been adding things here and there, one at a time, when when you're ready. Uh, 
And I think that is the way most people are going mm-hmm. to do that. Um, yeah. It's not always easy living the way I live. It is kind of extreme sometimes. So I, I love the fact that you're doing this in a more normal way. I think our listeners can probably um, relate to that better than sometimes they look at what I'm doing and say, oh, that's just too extreme. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we all, all of us together, you know, and when listeners call and they have their questions and they have their experiences, um, all of us together like that um, is, is what's making it work. So I, I love it. Absolutely. Let's head off to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kim. How you doing today? Good. Well, I have a couple of questions now since your last rant. Um, <laughs> the first, <laughs> the first one being, I have a suspicion that I have some issue with blood sugar level. Okay. I have had A1C in the I have had A1C in the past. The last one that I had was 5.1, which clearly is okay. But it's just the way I feel. I really think that I'm having some issues. I do understand that you're supposed to take it first thing in the morning when you're fasting, and I think that I know that you want to see it below 100, but past that, how often a day, when in the day should you take the test, and then I want to write down what my result is, obviously, to see whether or not I do have something going on. Good what, question. What should I see? What should Let's, I see, like, an hour after I eat? Or I've, I've heard all this stuff, but I don't totally know what to do. Got it. So that kind of almost fits in with what I just talked about on the extreme side of things. Um, fasting blood sugar is important to give us an idea of our overall blood sugar control. The one thing I will warn people about is if you're on a ketogenic diet, And the more strict your ketogenic diet is, the more likely you are to show up with something called the dawn effect. And if you, the earlier in the morning you test it, the more extreme this is going to be. It is not unusual. And I will tell you right now, I have excellent blood sugar control. This is one of those things that I hack and test constantly. But I, I can still show up some mornings with blood sugar fasting as high as 115 or 120, which would, by the new standards, make me pre-diabetic. And doctors are now, this is new, I was gonna talk about this next week. Doctors are now being told to prescribe diabetic medications to people who are pre-diabetic now. That used to only happen when you fell into the diabetic range. Now they are recommending drugs like metformin and all kinds of other drugs for people who show up as pre-diabetic. So just understand that the dawn effect can happen when you're on a keto diet. It makes it even more important to check your blood sugar throughout the day um, because mine goes down. It's always highest first thing in the morning. It goes down the rest of the day. How often should you test? This is one of those things that the more information we have, the better. I'll give you an extreme. Dr. Mercola, who I just measured, I just read an article that he did. He, he's a doctor, so it's a little easier for him to do these kind of things. There is a device you can put on your body, and, and 
it literally, it's got to be, I don't even know how it works completely, but it tests your blood glucose constantly all day. So I think they must have to tap into some blood source somewhere and then you wear this thing and it literally monitors your blood sugar all day long. And then he would test different foods to see how it was affecting his blood sugar. Now, that's pretty extreme. I'm trying to find out where I can sign up for this. I'd like to do it. Um, but so for me, I might test it some days 10 times. I might, you know, test it right before I eat a food, then eat the food, then test it an hour later, two hours later, and three hours later. And I might do that several times during the day because it tells me more and more about what's going on with my blood sugar. So there is no real answer of what's too much. If I could wear one of these devices, I would do it. I would like to see what my blood sugar does all day. I think it's that important. So we are, um, we are looking at blood sugar devices. And I want to find one that makes it easier, especially for drivers where, you know, it, it's, uh, I'm looking at one that has an app. I'm actually testing. It's got an app. Um, you can put in notes. So I ate this food. Then you test your blood sugar and it keeps track of it all. So you're not trying to write it down and create, you know, notebooks. And so I, I think that blood sugar testing is extremely important and we can learn a lot from it. And I think it's one of those things that it's up to you. How much are you willing to do? Because the more you do, the more we know. So hold that thought and I will come back right after this break and we'll see if that helps. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Ruff. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Kim's here with me. This is Destination Health, and we're going to go back to Ohio. Herschel, does that help? It does. Sounds to me like I'll just start a log, and then I'll uh, scan it in and send it to uh, oh, Kim, brain cramp. Send it to <laughs> Kim, and then uh, you guys can look at it and tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Herschel, why do you think you My, might be having some blood issues, blood sugar issues? What's going on? Well, in the middle part of the day here lately, I've been getting the effect that I'm either really tired, even though I've slept and I am on CPAP and I use it every night, 100%, the whole nine yards. Um, I'm either tired, my sugar level is going too low, and I get a dull feeling in my head where I either feel like I need to go to sleep 
or I have to have something to eat, if I have something to eat, it will come back. And I feel like I just took a nap, even though I didn't. All I did was eat something. And some, I usually try to do something that is more fat-laden, not carbohydrate-laden. I did get a hold of something one day. And I knew it was stupid when I did it. But I thought, what the hey? I've been doing this cut-out-everything for 10 months. It ain't going to kill me one time. Well, yeah, believe me, it did. I felt like somebody drove a Mack truck over top of me. Oh, it was horrible. And the only thing that fixed it that day was waiting until I went to sleep at night and the next day came and then I felt fine. So I found out that carbs still hate me, which is fine. But that's why I think that I might have some issues with sugar and I really might want to watch it. I think possibly I'm going too low even just because of you know, what I've heard in the past. Your symptoms are clearly hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar. The, the thing about high blood sugar, we never get any symptoms. That's why it's so dangerous, because it's causing damage and we don't even know it. Hypoglycemia is sure. obvious. Um, the more severe it is, the more obvious it becomes. You, you have clear symptoms. So uh, are you measuring ketones at all? I have a ketonics, and we've went a few rounds, and it's never said anything back, but I've called it many names, and so far I haven't been able to get that thing to cooperate with me, but this past weekend I finally convinced my wife to buy an Apple computer and get away from Bill Gates and his garbage, so I'm hoping that when I link it into the Apple that it will behave and I'm able to use it. Yeah, because one of the things, you know, when your energy levels drop like that, it, it, it can be an indication of low blood sugar, but it also could be an indication you just don't have an energy source left. And if you're eating very low carb, your energy source has to be fat. Well, we need to make sure that you're digesting the fats, processing the fats, and producing ketones. And if not, then we can solve that problem. There, there really is no fix for hypoglycemia other than just getting blood sugar under control again over time. High blood sugar is obvious why it happens. We have to consume the sugar in the first place. Low blood sugar is a whole lot trickier. Um, people who are on any kind of diabetic medication, we, that's the problem. That's what's causing the low blood sugar. And as long as you're on that medication, it's very, very difficult to manage. So over time, as your body becomes resensitized to insulin again, you will have fewer and fewer episodes of low blood sugar. So really, it's just a matter of making sure you're digesting your fats properly and we're producing ketones so you do have an energy source. And getting that insulin sensitivity back and that just takes time but monitoring your blood sugar is a really good idea the more information we have we might find foods that are triggering this likely what's happening okay. something you are eating is spiking your blood sugar then the body's releasing insulin and you are becoming more insulin sensitive, which is what we want, but your body is still in the mode of releasing too much insulin, and then your blood sugar is crashing. My guess is that's what's going on. So time and, and doing all the things you've been doing, we'll fix it over time, but if we can identify which foods might be causing that initial spike, then we might be able to stop the crash. 
Okay, when you talk about identification, when I got my testing done, I got it one called an MRT, which I sent you all that stuff. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. That's been almost 10 months ago now of virtually staying away from everything that's on that list, which has been an interesting ride. Do you think that it's possible that I would benefit from doing another test, in this case, maybe the one you guys do called FIT? Would that benefit anything to see what changed in the last 10 months since I've been doing this? Should I do that? Is it worth the investment to do it? Well, you know me, I'm an information junkie. So I always want to say yes. (laughs) Yeah, I always want to say yes, more information is better. But I want to make sure that, because right now we're talking about two different things. I'm talking about a food spiking your blood sugar. So that could be, you know, it could be carbs, even though you don't think you're getting a lot. It could be protein. That doesn't have anything to do with the food sensitivity or a food reaction. So as long as we understand we're talking about two different things, the, the fit test, again, I'm an information junkie. The more we know, the, the more we can figure out. So I would recommend it. But that's not going to address what we're talking about here, the low blood sugar. This isn't a food reaction well, in that sense of the word. This is a food reaction, something that's causing your blood sugar to spike. Well, that's true, but I, I this is why I wonder about the possibility of sensitivity changing because I did really, really awesome for several many months, and now, not that long ago, you told me about using psyllium, which I have been, and it has regulated things. That makes me wonder, did my system change, and what I was okay with in the past, I obviously have had more of it because I took away other things. Is it possible that it's all changed and now I need to do it again because that's why I have to have psyllium or I can't go? (laughs) Yeah, and that could very well be. So again, um, I realize it's an investment. There is a cost, and that's why I hesitate to just say, absolutely, go do it. Um, But more information is always good. Uh, I'm going to continue to retest on this until I figure out how to eliminate every sensitivity or I finally decide that maybe you just can't. So, yeah, uh, again, more information is better. Let's go to Indiana. Marlene, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Um, I have a question. Uh, You were talking about um, your ketones with a, uh, a blood feeder. Is the better type of meter, and where is the availability of them? Okay, so there's three ways to test. I've talked about this before, but I'll go over it real quick. We can test through urine strips. I don't recommend them at all because once your body learns how to use fat for energy, then those are worthless. They don't work anymore. So I would just say skip those. And those are probably the most common because they're the cheapest and the easiest. You can also test it with a blood meter. The meter itself is not that expensive. It's 40 bucks. It's a, a precision extra is the, the meter that will test both, both blood glucose, blood sugar, and blood ketones. The problem with that one is the strips themselves are really expensive. Um, the, the cheapest I've ever found them is a dollar a piece, and I've paid as much as $5 a strip. So you're not going to do a whole lot of testing with those. It gets very expensive. 
My preferred method is the breath meter. It's made by Ketonics, K-E-T-O-N-I-X. And it's about 150 bucks online. You can get it on Amazon. We might try to get it in our store, but um, you can go to Amazon and buy it. Once you pay the $150, you're done. It's super easy. You blow into it and it gives you a reading. And you can do it 100 times a day if you want. It doesn't cost anything. So even though it's a little more expensive up front, you don't have to poke yourself. We're not dealing with blood. We're not buying expensive strips. And you can test as often as you want. Now, when would be the better time to test? I've been using the urine strips, and I do it uh, first thing in the morning. Um, you will find that your ketones are lowest first thing in the morning. They will increase throughout the day if you're doing all the right stuff. Obviously, if you start loading up on carbs or eating carbs at all, there's a good chance you're going to knock yourself out of ketosis. But if you get up in the morning and you are eating a good high fat, low carb diet, your ketones will increase throughout the day. So that it, it's kind of like blood sugar testing. There's no good time. The more testing we do, the more we know. It, it really just comes down to that. The more often I test, the more I learn. That's why I love the ketonics because I can test all day and it doesn't cost me anything and it's not difficult. You will find that activity and exercise will increase your ketone levels. So um, that's my recommendation. I would just stick with the ketonics after doing this for a year and a half. Um, it's just the easiest, least expensive, and we can test as often as we want. We're all out of time. We'll have to uh, pick this up next time. Oh, and I just got a message from Kim. The Ketonics is not available right now in the U.S. They're bringing out a new model. We'll keep you updated on that. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. And always do the hard work and master the journey. Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, hang on just a second. Don't hang up yet because I see a lot of questions on the line. And um, if Kim is up for it, Kim, do you want to do another hour? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I was hoping you might want to do that because there's uh, some great questions and some we haven't even got to yet. There's so many. And I, I'm not going to do an open. We're going to yeah. go right to the questions. We're going to get to as many as we can. So thank you for being patient. Hang on and we are coming to you. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham, and this is the show where we talk about everything health. We take your calls and answer your questions about diet, nutrition, food, lifestyle, exercise, training, disease, drugs, doctors, you name it, we'll talk about it. and We will help, help you find your path to help. Doing it all on the road, working and living in a truck. And Kim, 
Um, there's so much I want to talk about. I get so excited about opening on this show because there's so many topics and I want to talk about them all, but we also get lots and lots of questions and we don't get to them. So um, anything you want to start with today or should we just jump right into calls yeah. and questions? No, let's just go right to questions. All right, let's do that. Let's go to Tennessee. Greg, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call, you guys. I appreciate your uh, hard work. Uh, I have a couple. I'll just go through them, and then, you, you know, they're pretty simple. Do you recommend any apps, a cookbook or a keto book, uh, those three? And then how do you calculate your macros? And my last one would be uh, a protein powder. Do you recommend any protein powder I could mix with, uh, like, a cocoa? And, you know, for maybe a replacement meal or a snack sometime. Uh, okay, let's start. We'll go backwards. I'll start with the protein first. The more and more research I do, the less and less protein I think we need. So I think we've right. overdone protein for a very long time. The keto diet alone tends to increase protein. You cut out carbohydrates, you have to eat something. We like to focus on fat, but you can't sit down and eat a jar of mayonnaise. So the protein becomes a pretty big part of a ketogenic diet. And I'm okay with that. I just don't think we need to add to that. I don't think we need to be eating protein bars or protein shakes. I think we get plenty of tea. The one thing I do add to my Bulletproof coffee is a collagelatin supplement. And it is very high in protein. I'm not adding it because of the protein. I'm adding it because of the collagen and the gelatin, which are both really good for your skin, your hair, your eyes, your joints, your bones, everything. Uh, it just happens to be almost pure protein. So that to me is enough. I, I don't need to look any further for any more protein supplements. Uh, and again, I'm not even taking right. that one because of the protein. I'm taking it because of the collagen and the gelatin. So I wouldn't look to add more protein in the form of a shake or a powder or a drink or a smoothie. I think on a ketogenic diet, we're getting plenty of protein. Does that help there? All right. Yeah, yeah. And one, I would like to ask one thing about the fat. Does, do you have to get most of your fat from animal fat or can I get it from like uh, olive oil and like there's sesame oil and some other, I don't even know, but there's other uh coconut oil, you know, can I get, is it all right to get a lot of my fat from that or, or do you Absolutely. recommend trying to get more? Absolutely. I recommend both. This is a case kind of like the raw food and cooked food. I, I like a really good balance. You know, one of the things right. we know about a hunter gatherer diet was that it was much more diverse than our diet. It's easy for us to pick a couple foods that we really like and stick to them because they're always available. When we were hunter gatherers, you ate whatever you came across. And it, so you ate a lot of different things all the time. You ate a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You might find a berry bush, so you ate some berries. You know, might find some nuts, so you ate some of those. You might kill a squirrel, so you ate a squirrel. You might, you know, find some sort of animal in the water. So you ate that. You ate whatever you could find. We tend to just eat the same foods over and over and over. So variety sure. is really important. So yes, I eat. If you look at my counter right now, Kim can attest to this. I have this big carousel. Mm -hmm. 
loaded with fats. I have duck fat. I have pork fat. I have chicken fat. I have bacon fat. I have lard. I have tallow. I have coconut oil. I've got olive oil. I've got avocado oil. I've got three different kinds of butter. I mean, I've got a store of fat of every kind you could imagine. When I make bone broth, you take bone broth and, you know, there's marrow and fat and all those things. When I'm done cooking my bone broth, I stick it in the refrigerator and the fat goes to the top and solidifies. I take that big chunk of fat off of there and I put it in a jar and put it on my counter and I cook with it. So as long as you're getting good quality fats, then I think you should eat as many as possible. Watch out for fats that are liquid at room temperature. You have to be very careful with the quality of those. So like avocado oil is an excellent fat. It's easily damaged. So you want to buy it in small bottles and as fresh as possible. Keep it out of the heat and direct sunlight and use it up pretty quickly and don't don't overheat those kind of fats. You know, anytime we're going to cook at higher temperatures, we want to use animal fats or very highly saturated fats. And coconut oil is one of the non-animal fats that fits into that group. Coconut oil is very stable. The way to know how stable an oil is, how solid is it at room temperature? The more solid it is at room temperature, the more stable it is. So when you have a liquid at room temperature, that's an easily damaged oxidized oil. Olive oil is excellent, but you shouldn't be cooking with it. It damages very easily under heat. You should be buying it in small dark bottles and you should be using it pretty quickly. You don't want it sitting around a lot. But other than that, as long as you're not eating heavily processed oils, industrial oils, lots of different kind of fats are really good. All right. And then uh, any recommendation on a keto book or a cookbook? Um, uh, Jimmy Moore's keto cookbook is excellent. So I would recommend that one. But honestly, really, I have a hard time recommending anybody go pay for a cookbook. I, I buy cookbooks. I collect right. cookbooks. So I buy them all the time. Um, I love cookbooks. But honestly, there are so many good keto recipes free on the internet that it, it's hard for me to tell anybody to go spend any money on this. Um, if you right. look at one of my favorite sites for excellent keto recipes is dietdoctor.com. Right. Now that is a paid site, but you can get to a lot of their recipes free. But my, my real message is I wouldn't be paying for cookbooks unless you just love cookbooks. There's way too many recipes available online, like millions. I swear they're everywhere now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And good ones. Too. Yeah. yeah. I was in diet yeah. doctor this morning and pulled some off of there. Doctor's got some great mm-hmm. recipes. Yeah. Really good. Um, there they have um, the fathead pizza that you, you know, mm-hmm. introduced me and their recipe there. Cause I've seen a couple different versions of it. There's this drop dead simple and it works. So, yeah. yeah, unless you just love cookbooks, I, I, I really can't recommend spending any money on one. There's too many other places. Now, you also mentioned an app, um, and you mentioned a macronutrient balance, and, and that's where I think the apps are really excellent. 
is tracking macronutrients and, and nutrient content. Uh, My Fitness Pal is excellent, but I also really like Chronometer. And um, one of the cool things about Chronometer is as a practitioner, we could set up an account where your data, you would authorize it to be shared into our account so that we can monitor it with you, kind of just like we do on oil samples, and we can use the data to, to, to look at as a group. So I think if we could get, you know, a thousand drivers on chronometer and we were analyzing all that data, like I said, I'm kind of a data junkie, um, we'd be able to see a lot. So take a look at either one of those, uh, MyFitnessPal and chronometer. Um, and we may be, again, coming out with a program on chronometer at some point. Let's go to Illinois. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Kim. How's it going? Good. Okay. What's on your mind? I just want a couple things. Um, I, I looked into that uh, the Liberty MediShare or whatever it's called. It's, it's looking like okay. for me and my family, the, um, the benefit to that program is going to be in the uh, – the unshared amount versus what my deductible is now because my monthly premium with my wife's insurance through her work is going to be pretty much spot on as theirs. But I'm going to be okay. going, I would be going from a $6,000 a year deductible to a $1,500 unshared amount. So I think that's where the savings for me is going to be. Well, let's talk about something else because you're right. That is where the savings is. But look at the coverage itself on your current plan. Is it 100% after deductible? No, it's not. That's the other thing I was going to get to. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not. We'll, we'll get to that right after we get back from this break. Because this medical sharing program, 100% coverage after your unshared amount. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Kim, this is another one of those questions that I, I could probably spend the rest of the hour talking about health insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will uh, we'll get back to Dave. So, Dave, I, I think you already get it. You said you were going to mention that. Let me just kind of make an analogy here real quick. One of the reasons we're so screwed up with health care and health insurance in this country is people love the fact that they have a $10 copay. They go to the doctor. Had they negotiated a cash price with a doctor, the visit might have been 75 bucks. Well, you know what? We should be able to afford $75 out of our pocket if we need, if we really need to go to the doctor. But because our insurance is such a nightmare, the, the visit will be $200. 
because of all the insurance processing that had. I read somewhere, somebody told me this recently, that under Obamacare, every doctor now needs three staff just to process paperwork. That's insane. So we're okay with that because for us, it's a $10 copay. We love that. What we don't understand is if we do get that $200,000 cancer diagnosis, and that's cheap, it could be more, under a traditional 80-20 plan, we now owe $40,000. Hell, you might as well not have insurance. What was the point? Most people aren't going to be able to pay $40,000. So if homeowner's insurance would never be allowed to do that. If, if they only paid 80% of my house when it burnt down, that doesn't happen. As long as you have your policy set up right, they pay 100%. Or they may not pay for the land, but that's okay. You still own the land. It didn't get damaged. We would never put up with those kind of things in any other kind of insurance. But in medical insurance, that's exactly what we, we do. And that's why we've got it so screwed up. We want them to cover every little cost everywhere. We don't realize when, in, when we really need the insurance, we're going to be screwed. That's why I love this plan. It encourages people to be more responsible, go find a doctor, negotiate a good cash price, and then we'll reimburse it. No, no insurance personnel needed at the doctor's office. So doctors love this. They don't have to screw around with insurance. I walk in, negotiate a price, pay them, turn it in, and I get paid 100% back. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain we're going to switch it over. Probably, uh, we'll probably start beginning of the year because uh, I, I just, I, like you said, I don't, we don't go to the doctor that much in the first place. So anytime I do go, it's like when my son broke his arm or something. And then you're looking at a $10,000 bill as soon as he walks into the hospital anyway. <laughs> And then right. there I'd be responsible for six grand of it right off the bat, you know? So. Yeah, you'd have your, but, uh, your the other thing I, And then your percentage, whereas on this insurance, you'd pay 1500 bucks and you're done for the year. And I just said it and I need right. to correct myself under this program. I can't call it insurance. Right. Yeah, the other thing I was, I want to ask you about was um, you were, you were just talking about it was that uh, I, I was a hard time saying it. Uh, Collagen, collagen gelatin or whatever it is. How do you say it? Yeah. Collagen gelatin supplement. Yeah. It, and that's just, so, that's just a made up word. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was, re, uh, Bulletproof sells that, correct? Correct. That's the brand I use. Yeah. So I was reading, I think it was on their site or something, but they claimed that, um, in addition to the stuff you were saying, they were claimed it helps to, uh, regenerate cartilage. And yes. the question I got is my wife, my wife works for, uh, she works at an orthopedic clinic for ortho surgery. And so those guys are all, they deal with cartilage all the time. And I asked her to ask them about that, but they say since cartilage has no blood supply, it can't regenerate. Does that, I mean, what do you think about that? I think they're full of it. Um, we've been told yeah. forever that brain cells can't regenerate. We've been told about all these cells that can't regenerate. That's bullshit. I mean, the human body is pretty darn amazing. Now, maybe they don't see cartilage regenerating because nobody's on a diet with enough nutrients to make it happen. But when you, yeah. our body is such an amazing thing that when you give it the right nutrition, it, it is unbelievable what it can do, and we don't even understand it. 
I mean, you talk to neurosurgeons and they are blown away by the fact that you could lose a whole part of your brain and another part of the brain that isn't supposed to have that function taking over those tasks and it learns how to do it. Well, from what we know about the brain, the neurosurgeon would tell you that's impossible. It can't happen, but it does happen. So these guys are saying, look, there's no blood supply. It can't regenerate. Maybe it regenerates with some other method we don't even understand, but it clearly happens. Yeah. I mean, many of these things but we can that they happen with some sort of scanning, but we can't explain why they happen. But but that is one of their claims, though, for too, right? In addition, like the skin yeah, absolutely. and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, okay. I think I'm going to give it a I, shot I, with my bulletproof because my my knees are shot. So I'm thinking that might help. <laughs> so when just to give you a quick history, when I went grain free, I I had horrible joint pain before this. My arthritis runs in my family. I was told you're just going to have it. I when I was younger, I busted my hip in a couple places. So I had horrible joint pain in my hips. I was told I was going to have to have hip replacements. When I went grain-free, 90% of that pain went away within a couple months. What I noticed was when I was back out on the road and I wasn't eating real clean, I was eating out more often, I was eating more conventional meat, that about half of my joint pain was coming back. And then I'd get home and I'd start eating clean again and it would go away. Once I started the collagen, gelatin, even when I don't eat clean, my pain doesn't come back. It, and if it does, it's very, very, very minor now. So the eating clean helps, getting rid of all the grain helps tremendously. The collagen gelatin supplement, and I put, you know, a scoop in my, a half a scoop in my Bulletproof coffee every morning, that seems to have really added to that relief. My joints feel amazing. All right, and that's and that's on his uh, regular website where you buy like the brain octane and everything. Yep. Okay, very good. I know where to get it then. I'm gonna give it a shot. Yeah, there you go. We're we're you know we're talking about getting bulletproof stuff in our store just to make it easier. Um, we, we just have to work out the numbers. They're, it, they're fairly expensive products, and it's not. Um, there's not a lot of margin in it, so we just have to make sure that. We don't lose money trying to carry something like that. So for now, I just send you to their website, buy it from them. Let's go to Minnesota. Gary, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kim. I Hi, did, a little, uh, did a little uh, no-no or whatever. I decided I wanted a candy bar, so I got me one of those like almond Snickers. And then, of course, okay. that brought on, another cra- brought on another craving, you know, so within within a half hour of that, I was eating a bag of buttered, you know, highly processed whatever popcorn they had at the truck stop. And then I ended up going back in and getting getting a little Debbie's uh, apple pie. And I satisfied all my sugar and everything, and I felt so bloated and miserable. But I never got any headache. But, but the next morning, I woke up, and my pain is still there. This just happened Saturday. And my pain is still there. My whole lower back, you know, from the, from the hip, from the hip you know, where to, from the hip bone up to about the middle of my back is so sore. And I don't know if it's, it's a dense pain. It's not a sharp pain. So it doesn't feel like it's a chiropractor thing. So I'm wondering is, could this have done that? It's getting less now. The pain is getting oh, less now. Absolutely. 
I would say I'm almost 100% sure that's what caused this. Now, it, it could have been that you had a slight injury to your back. Maybe you turned wrong, lifted wrong. Um, and what happened is the sugar, the additives, the junk, the gluten, whatever we might be able to find in there, probably all of the above, are triggering a, a severe inflammation response. So that's where the pain is coming from, the fact that you've got way too much of an inflammation response because of everything that was in that food that you ate. So here's a, here's a thing. And I know this happens to people, and it's interesting how it cascades, how you ate one thing and, oh, my God, then you just wanted more and more. This is what happened. Our food is designed that way. So I, I don't have the book titles in front of me right now, um, but there are several books that I read that talk about this, how the food industry spends billions yep. of dollars to basically make that food addictive. And it, and it is. And people think I'm being overly dramatic when I say that. They don't even recognize the addiction because they've been doing it their whole life. You saw it because you weren't doing it for so long. And you saw how one food, eating one candy bar changed things. And then you saw all the negative consequences. So absolutely, I think it was what you ate. Now, here's, here's two things you could do. Um, scent Arrest, that, that supplement we talked about, can help alleviate a lot of these symptoms. So when you do fall off the wagon, and people will, um, if you have some of that around, and you take it that will alleviate some of the symptoms um, bulletproof also makes a product called coconut charcoal and i would keep some of that around for these kind of episodes if you drink a little too much uh center rest and bulletproof charcoal are amazing if you react poorly to uh same thing so i'm gonna get to a break and we are gonna come right back right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody. Don't, uh, don't worry about the count down there. All right. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. And, uh, you know, I was just talking about those times when we either indulge in something we probably shouldn't have, and it's going to happen. It might be a food. It mm -hmm. might be too many carbs. might be something sweet. It might be some alcohol. And one of the things about living clean lifestyle is you feel so much better it almost makes these episodes worse people say oh my god i don't want to do this if every time i eat something like that i'm going to feel that bad well most people feel that bad all the time they just don't know it anymore so it is going to happen mm -hmm. there are some yeah. things we can do to alleviate it and and i just talked about um two of those 
which is the new supplement we have in our store called Scent Arrest. And Bulletproof also makes a product called Coconut Charcoal. Both of these are really good at kind of instant on-demand detox. Like the, the coconut charcoal will bind to the toxins and take them out of your body. And the scent arrest kind of counteracts all of the symptoms you might get from those things. So Kim, this is one of those things that it's a really good idea to keep both of these around. They're not things you would take every day. Some people might take the scent arrest every day if they have a food that's in their diet and they just can't seem to get rid of it. But for the most part, I keep these two things on hand for those times where we're having a team meeting and one bottle of wine turns into three <laughs> bottles. <laughs> wait, 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 not three, but hey. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people at this team meeting. No, it is true. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the whole thing. This isn't a diet you're on or off. This is a lifestyle you're going to eat, you're going to have, and, and you want to, you know, you, like I think uh, Dr. Jason Fung has said, you don't want to be that guy at the wedding that just says, oh, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, or something. If you choose to eat it, have that strategy in place, like whether you keep the supplements on hand, and just knowing you have those, you know that that's what you're going to do next. You're going to stop, you're going to enjoy this food, and even if it's something that catches you off guard, you've got your strategy next. Um, the other thing is, you know, maybe an intermittent fast to, you know, hopefully whether you have some bone broth or you have bulletproof and, you know, for the next 12 hours, you know, and if that's at night, you know, go to bed, get up and, you know, maybe focus on just a little bit of an intermittent fast to help you through that, um, to get you back on track. That's great advice. You're right. Yeah, that is great advice. It's going to happen. You don't have to suffer with it. There are ways to really, I, you know, honestly, between the coconut charcoal and the, the scent arrest, you might not feel anything. Now, I, I don't want people to think that they can use those things, that then they can go mm -hmm. eat whatever they want. Fine. It doesn't work right. that way. <laughs> if you kept doing that, you're going to go back to all the results you used to get. You, supplements can't fix anything. I, I want people to understand that. Supplements are not going to fix a bad diet, a bad lifestyle. They can supplement doing all the right things. So they can help with a very specific problem. That's why we talk about these aren't things you should be on the rest of your life. They're things we either use once in a while, like what we're talking about now, the scent arrest can really help with those kind of things in the short term. Um, sometimes we use a targeted supplement till we solve a problem and then we let diet take over. So I just want to be very clear. You're not going to go eat a bunch of junk food, um, drink alcohol all the time, and take a couple of supplements and feel fantastic and be healthy. That's not how it works. But if you're living a good lifestyle and you slip once in a while, we're all going to, you don't have to suffer with those things. There are some ways to fix it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You don't throw in the towel. You don't keep That's going. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Dennis, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, Kevin. How you doing, Kim? Thanks for taking hey, the call. Uh, appreciate uh, your advice and your uh, information. I talked with you, oh gosh, four or six weeks ago about uh, a friend of mine who has uh, hepatitis C and uh, he's been on ketosis, uh, gosh, a couple months at least, and he can't lose any weight. You said there was a, a liver protocol that uh, he had to follow, but it was too extensive for you to get into. How can I uh, 
get my hands on that. You know, what we would probably want to do with somebody like that is do a one-on-one. It, 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 when I say it's too extensive, not only would it take me too long to go through it, it's not always the same. We, we, we would design a protocol around his symptoms. And that's where we need to do the one-on-one consultation. We need to, to find out what his symptoms are, what his diet looks like, um, do the fit test, gather the information, and then we would actually design a protocol just for him. You know, when we put out a protocol, say a blood sugar protocol, we know that that will work for virtually everybody. So we can just say, look, here's a protocol. If you have blood sugar issues, you have hypoglycemia, do this, it works. If you have hyperglycemia, do this, it works. There are some protocols that need to be tweaked and kind of customized to what's going on. And this is one of those. This isn't one that we could just post it and say, here, do this. We would need to work with that person one-on-one. Somebody with hep C, he's not losing the weight. There could be so many different things going on. I don't want to take that approach that let's just throw some things at it and see if it works. That just wastes people's money. It wastes their time. Um, this is something where we just need to really gather a lot more information and develop a, a personal protocol just for him. I see. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, appreciate that. One other thing, um, I had the uh, leaky gut problem, and it went away, and uh, if you remember, I told you I had the flu for mm-hmm. 24 hours. It came back, but... Uh, you suggested I get the IPS, uh, just one bottle, and uh, then it went away again. Went away for a week, so I figured, hey, what the heck. But it keeps coming back, you know, like it'll be gone for a few days and come back for a few days. I'm wondering maybe if that's something I eat, too, that uh, is causing that. And what uh, what's with, what the kit, you mentioned the kit about finding out what foods you're, uh, you know, allergic to or whatever. How do, uh, how do I go about getting that? Okay, so the fit test, um, you can just go to our website and order it. Um, We'll ship it out to you. You do it at home. We'll get the results back. We'll go over the results with you. Um, I think that's an excellent idea because I think there is something in your diet that keeps triggering this. I would also, I said one bottle of IPS because I figured we'd solve the problem. Now it looks like we're not. It keeps coming back. I would stick with the IPS. And I would try to add bone broth into your diet as well. Bone broth is really good for this. Um, are you drinking Bulletproof I, I coffee? Um, occasionally, but I take the bone broth uh, pretty regularly. I don't good, do the Bulletproof good. every day. Uh, I, I could. So I, I just. It seems like the coffee, the acid in the coffee really uh, affects me, and uh, the coconut oil uh, adds to it for some reason. So we need, so there's clearly, we need to do more gut healing because that, that's really your priority needs to be gut healing right now. So um, keep doing the bone broth, keep doing the IPS. Let's do the fit test and find out what's, what you're reacting to. And the collagelatin that we talked about earlier, now I put it in Bulletproof coffee. You might want to try Bulletproof tea. You might want to try a a black tea or a green tea or whatever you like, because, and 
you know, just go easier on the coconut oil. There's the bulletproof coffee is, is good for a lot of reasons. It gives us the fat we need when we're in ketosis, which is nice. It gives us a vehicle to add some of these other things. If it wasn't for bulletproof coffee, I know I wouldn't be getting enough of the light balance. I just I would forget. I just wouldn't do it um, with the bulletproof coffee. It's easy. I put it in there every morning. Without the bulletproof in the morning, I wouldn't be doing the college gelatin as regular. So for me, it's that ritual, it's that habit of drinking a hot beverage in the morning, whether it's coffee, tea, cocoa, whatever it might be, the ritual that keeps me consistent on the other things that I know are really helping me. I love the brain octane. Um, I love the light balance. It, it keeps my mineral balance perfect. Um, the collagelatin keeps my joints healthy and pain-free. So for me, the Bulletproof is more about that ritual of doing it every morning so I stay very consistent. It's a habit. So I would encourage you to figure out some habit um, that will make sure you do those things. And I would recommend the collagelatin for you as well because it does have gut healing properties. And we do need to heal your gut. Something keeps coming back to aggravate it. The good news is though, we fixed it a couple times. So we know we can fix it. We just have to figure out how to fix it permanently. And we will. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Roth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're down to the final segment. Kim, I can't believe it. We're almost done again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's so cool to hear about Dennis, um, that that IPS, the second dose, ended up helping again. And again, that's just somebody who's really diligent, who just keeps trying and then find the next step. And so, so glad he called in. Yeah, it, it you know, I, I love the way this all works, that we actually see results. We're not just mm -hmm. seeing symptoms, you know, going away. We're seeing entire problems and issues going away. And sometimes we just need to dig a little deeper. You know, we, we thought we had the root cause of his problem. We thought it was just the gut healing that he needed, but it keeps coming back. So what that tells me is we haven't found the root cause yet. So we know we can heal it, can keep it healed. So there's something more we haven't found yet. That's why the fit test is the next step because we are finding so many problems keep coming back to a food our body is reacting to. And now that you can do this test at home, 
you know, I, I, a year ago, I wasn't recommending people go do a food intolerance test. It was time consuming. It was expensive. You had to go to a clinic, even though there was a, a lot of benefits to it. It just didn't feel like a good fit. When I went to the biotics conference and we saw this new test that you could do at home, and it's about half the price, and you don't have to go to a doctor, you don't have to pay for the visit, you can do this yourself, uh, and, and it's working. We're identifying things and, and saying, look, eliminate this and watch what happens. And I'm, I'm excited about it. So let's get to calls because I want to get to as many as we can. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Hugo, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I have a question, uh, a couple of questions. I don't know if you get to the second one, uh, but uh, the main one is about the sugar block. You were talking about those uh, lowering the sugar when you go out of the ketosis. I've been doing it for 10 months. Uh, I, I found some uh, supplements called, uh, it's got some kind of, some kind of, some kind of herb leaf extract. It's called Janema Sylvester. Is that a okay. good? I mean, is uh, I mean to use it uh, just sometimes when you think you go, it's supposed to lower your blood sugar. You know, is that is that any good? Is that I mean, just I, to, not I'm, all the time. You know, just sometimes. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't see that there's enough benefit. We don't know enough about it. It seems like it could actually be a pretty powerful substance. The one thing we have to realize okay. about supplements. Most of them are pretty benign, meaning they don't have a lot of side effects. But we do know uh -huh. that anything that has a primary effect has to have a secondary effect. So if a supplement works, then there is also some other side effect that we need to be aware of. The more powerful yeah, I, it works, the more powerful the secondary effect is going to be, and that's why drugs are so dangerous. Drugs clearly. I don't see that many. Uh -huh. Go ahead. I'm sorry, because I don't see that many other ingredients. You know, so because that's what I thought it'd be like something not that bad. You know, but because uh, I well, check my on. blood regularly, I'm gonna see if it does lower it. I mean, if, in case. Uh, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let me kind of make some comparisons here. It is only one ingredient. So is heroin. I mean, if we take <laughs> okay. heroin, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a natural substance and it's only one ingredient, but it's damn powerful. Okay. So the, the comparison okay. I'm trying to make is that people like drugs because drugs have immediate impact. You take it, a symptom yeah, goes but away. It's a supplement. Okay. No, I know. Being a supplement uh, is not safer. Yeah, okay. Well, that's what I'm trying to get to. I don't want people to just assume supplements are safer. There are some supplements that are extremely powerful that if the government had their way, they might turn them into drugs. They're that close. Um, one I, that just comes to mind, Kava Kava. Uh, I used to take Kava Kava before I had to speak because I would get really, really nervous. I was terrified of public speaking. And Kava Kava would call me down. And it was immediate, and it was powerful. I felt it, it was pretty wild stuff. Well, it turns out Kava Kava is also very, very um, toxic to your liver. So it, it's not something you want to take lightly. It should be treated more like a drug. The supplement you're talking about of research, I'm not a big fan of it. 
I think it is pretty powerful. And I think it is closer to a drug than a supplement. And I don't think the benefit of just lowering your blood sugar once in a while is worth, worth the potential side effects. I think we should just work harder to lower our blood sugar through diet primarily, mm -hmm. or if you want, use our blood sugar protocol, which does have some supplements, but they're a lot more mild. They're, they're not a real powerful supplement um, like what you were talking about. So that's, uh, that's the way I see that. I just don't see enough benefit and there's not enough research on it. And it seems to me like it's a pretty powerful supplement. Let's go to Virginia. Nesta, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I'm in Virginia. I'm from North Carolina. But I was telling Kim, I've heard you touch on this a few times, but every time I try to write down what I need, I lose a call or another call comes in. But I've uh, I been told I had irritable bowel syndrome before I had the gallbladder attack in December. But then they took my gallbladder out. And as a truck driver, I have a bad problem with my digestive running to the bathroom all the time. Uh, like I said, I've heard you hit on this subject with people, and I try to write things down, but something always sidetracks me. And Got it. And so, so that's what... Uh, what okay, so there's there's a couple things we need to do. So we're going to talk about more big picture because what I'm not going to do is I'm just not going to tell you take this supplement and it's going to fix things. Okay. We need to talk. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, so there are several things you can do. Here's the good news. Everything you are suffering from, we can fix. We've done it many, many, many times. This isn't difficult even. But it's not easy. Okay. It's fairly simple to understand. Yeah. We know it works, but you've got to do the hard work. So have you gone? I always ask this question because I never know for sure. Have you gone grain free? You know, I've been trying to do that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and really, I've been amazed at how much better I felt. Matter of fact, I messed Good. up today. I had Chester's fried chicken and I feel like crap. I'm I mean. So I know I, I, I'm going back to what I was doing before because so, I was feeling so much better. You know, I still had a little yeah. digestive problem. I started taking some probiotics. Now, that's uh, the one thing I can say. One. That's the one thing I can say, hands down, just take a probiotic. That that We have a really good one in our store that I like a lot called Biodolph 7. It's an excellent probiotic. It's called what? Um, what was that? Biodolph BioDolph 7. BioDolph. Okay, I'll be looking for that then. I was, was going to ask you, I knew you had something in your store or something, yeah. but. I, yeah, but let me, let me. Before I run out of time. So the single most important thing you can do to solve these problems is stop the grain. And you've already seen that. You don't have to spend a penny on supplements. You don't have to do any testing. Just stop the grains. That will go a long way. In fact, that's going to fix 80% of these problems. Stop the grains. And, and if you go zero grain, you are going to get the most benefit. If you are eating grains even 10% of how much you're used to, you're still going to have problems. This is one of those things if you go all in, you will see amazing results. So grain-free, number one. 
Two, because you don't have a gallbladder, you do have to take a supplement the rest of your life. It's called a bile salt. So when you go to our store to, I, to order the probiotics, you want to order Beta Plus. And Beta Plus is going to give good liver support, and it's going to replace what your gallbladder used to do. You just eat um, a couple of these pills every time you eat a meal. We'll give you a protocol, tell you exactly how to do it, but you have to do that. That's not an option. The next thing we need to do is gut healing because you've done a lot of damage to your gut. Obviously, that's the IBS. Now, without a gallbladder, you'll end up doing even more. The other thing I would recommend is eat a small snack every hour with a lot of fat. Like look up fat bomb recipes or eat, you know, a handful of nuts, um, put butter on something. Hell, eat a tablespoon of butter. I used to do that when I was driving. I know it sounds crazy, but you're without a gallbladder. You are dripping bile into your intestines all day long, and that is irritating the IBS. If you eat a little bit of fat every hour, it gives that bile something to work on. Then you take the bile salts with a meal, that gives you the bile you need to digest the fats. I would also recommend our IPS supplement. And honestly, Nesta, you might be a really, really good candidate to do a one-on-one with us. So we could really dial down. But I promise, get rid of the grains. Take the beta plus and the probiotic and you'll eliminate 90% of these problems just on that alone. Kim, we're all out of time again. (laughs) This was an awesome day. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Robinson. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.